Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Just a heads up, this podcast will focus on issues of domestic violence. If you need help or you know someone who does, please call 1-800-RESPECT. It's not acceptable what's happening for these women. We have to take a stand. It's bigger than all of us now. We have to come together and bring our voices together. From Mamma Mia, I'm Mia Friedman, and you're listening to No Filter, candid conversations that count. Each week, at least one woman is killed at the hands of a man who was supposed to love her. Look around. Could be your sister, your best friend, your mother, your workmate, or it could be you. Because the thing about domestic violence is that it doesn't discriminate. doesn't matter what colour your skin is, what you do for a job or where you live. It's all around us and it happens every day. Gold Coast businesswoman Nicole Edwards was going about her everyday life when she heard of a woman who had arrived into her community with three little kids and nothing else except the clothes on her back. She was fleeing domestic violence and she had nowhere to go. So Nicole rallied some friends and put out a call on Facebook. She asked for the basics, a toaster, some sheets, food to stock a pantry, kids' clothes, a pram. And in just a couple of days, Nicole and her friends had set up a home for this woman and her children. Not just shelter, not just emergency accommodation, but an actual home with all the comforts and necessities we all take for granted. One of the most common reasons for women returning to domestic violence situations is for this exact reason, as if it isn't hard enough leaving your life behind, the sanctuary of a home and the little things that make it feel like it's yours can feel impossible to replace. And the more that she learned, the more Nicole realised she could make a very real difference in the lives of women and their children who were trying to flee from dangerous, often life-threatening situations. So she quit her day job, founded a community-based charity to help victims of domestic violence, and six years later, Nicole Edwards' sole purpose is to help women and children in need through the charity that she founded called Rise Up. When families flee domestic violence situations, they often leave quickly and they leave with nothing. And Rise Up is there to bridge that gap. They provide practical help to families who need to get back up on their feet, whether it's food blankets, beds or clothes, or even a house, they will find it and they'll help. I'm very proud to be a patron of Rise Up. It's Rise Up with a Z, by the way, if you're looking for it on social media, and I strongly suggest you follow them on, particularly on Facebook, which is where they put out their calls for the things that they need. And I've been so proud to watch Nicole and Rise Up help so many families. In just six years, they've helped over 574 families start over and make new lives. So how can we help them? Here's Nicole Edwards. 
I want you to tell me about the woman on the train and how Rise Up started. I started doing this work about six years ago and uh, I come from a, a sales and marketing background so I'm not a counsellor or a social worker or anything. I'm, um, I suppose I'm a human rights activist and uh, and domestic violence is the biggest human rights violation that I believe that we're the Western world is facing. Mm. So I heard of a lady that had arrived on the Gold Coast and she had arrived with her baby and her three other children. And the story about this lady is she had gone into the hospital seeking some help. So through a friend of a friend, I found out about this lady and uh, she really had nothing. She had a backpack. And the story about this lady was she had come all the way across Australia, our big, beautiful country, on a train feeling that that was her last resort. So she was fleeing a domestic Mm. violence situation. So she effectively took those children for lunch, but what she did was she took them across the country because that's all she felt she could do to get to safety. So she arrived with her baby, this little backpack, and uh, she had nothing. So essentially what we did as bystanders was what can we all do? We all live in a society that we have so much of everything, right? And uh, so we put a little call out with the magic of social media and within a few days and by the end of the week we had secured almost everything for her to the point that we'd almost housed her. So that was the the, the light bulb moment, what I What kind of things did you oh, did you gather? There was a cot, there was a high chair, there were beds for the children, there were clothes, there was food and kitchen items. My friends were coming out of the woodwork, really going, hey, Nick, I've got this, I've got this, what can we do? Let's get it all together and centralise it. And I just felt that that was it. You know, if one lady was going through this... How many more women were going through exactly the same thing? And we, we don't know what's happening, right? It's all happening underground and uh, no one talks about domestic violence and no one wants to talk about it. Mm. So that was it. Tell me about Sally. Sure. So a few years ago, I was approached by a lady who she had come back to Australia under the Hague Convention now we've changed details. Yeah. Uh, Sally's not her real name. Uh, the details of her story have been changed to protect, or for legal reasons, and to protect her and her children. But yeah, tell me the gist of the story is is so. I think the same. You know, we as as an organisation, uh, Mia, we don't really connect with the families directly. That I'm really passionate about that. I think A's and B's shouldn't meet. You know, we're actually holding the services at our point of focus. What right? do you mean so, by A's and B's? So, you know, there's so many vulnerable people in this situation and I often, I'm a big believer in uh, old-fashioned altruism, okay? So it's about giving without need for recognition or thanks and any of that. It's really the community rallying and creating an end and, and you know, responding. Mm. I can't think of anything worse than and walking down the supermarket aisle and I'm in the veggies and picking out my bananas and there's Sally who I created, you know, we created a home for her and she sees me, she's met me and it transports her to that dreadful time in her life mm. um, where, where, where that was really the pointy end of her journey, exiting out of refuge and moving in. So we don't need to do any of that. You know, we are really supporting, we're a service that supports services mm. and uh, creating amazing outcomes. So, so Sally, 
Kylie was going to come and be with you today. Yeah, she was, but, yeah. But because of this story and the situation she's in, she wasn't able to. Yeah, correct. So I suppose to preface that is this is an unusual situation where we actually meet the women. And, and Sally reached out to me. She'd she'd found my phone number and, and uh, contacted me and came through directly to me. And, and we got chatting. And she struck me straight away as such an articulate lady. She's very educated. She was a director in communications for a very big organization and uh, she started telling me her her story and part of that story was the fact that there had been an, a DVO in place uh, she had uh, experienced horrific violence in front of her two little girls uh, her family doesn't come from Australia and um she took those children, uh, there was a DVO in place and essentially she was able to return home to her family and her friend because her husband was Australian. Unfortunately, with the family court and the DV court, they work side by side. So even though there was a DVO in place, um, unfortunately in this situation, um, because the two courts don't run together, there were systems and in abuse involved and she was brought back under the Hague. So even though the perpetrator couldn't have any access, he was still had that control to bring her back into Australia. Can you explain what the Hague is? So the Hague Convention is the United Nations. If someone has taken children, you can bring them back under the Hague Convention. There's the different countries that are a part of that treaty, if you like. By the time she contacted me, she was starting to tell me about she's borrowed a friend's car, she's running all over the um, you know the Brisbane region, picking up food baskets. This is it. Remember who this lady is? She's very articulate, educated, held down really important jobs. Um, and now she's finding herself with no money, no support, no resources, no access to any help. So, you know, you said she had a great job. She was living a stable life. Did she have to flee back to this other country to escape this domestic violence situation? Yeah, correct. Then she was forced to come back. Yeah. But with nowhere to live. Yeah. So, and no job. Yep. So mum and dad were... Uh, selling off their belongings in um, overseas. Her parents. Her parents to cover her rent, mm. right? So by the time she contacted us, you know, rise up, we're that practical wraparound support, okay? Mm. So immediately what can we do? We can help with connecting her with a service who perhaps ordinarily wouldn't be in a position to be helping her. So before long, we were able to, you know, link her in with a bit of outreach support to really kind of wrap her little emotional, you can imagine what what she was going through. So isolated, we were able to pay electricity bills and we were doing call outs for her on our page because that's how we do it, right? Can you explain how the call outs work? Because it's not like you have a big warehouse full of donated furniture and old baby clothes. No, 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 definitely not. So Unfortunately, you know, we're nowhere near that. We're still, you know, just hands on the ground and, and making it all happen. But essentially what we do is when when this lady, you know, she's, she says to me, Nick, you know, my electricity bill's in, $300 or whatever it is, we'll then put that out on our page to say we have this lady that we're supporting that is in the situation from The Hague. Um, is anybody out there wanting to sponsor a little bit of that? Mm. Not the whole lot. But definitely, if you can put in 20 or whatever, and before long we've got it, and then we can cover the bill. It's the same with our schools program. You know, we're. What does the schools program do? So, anytime we have a new uh, family that comes into one of the local refuges, 
they will contact us and say, little Johnny is, uh, he's come in and he needs two ruggers and he needs two polos and a hat, a sun hat, and he needs a backpack and all of this. And we get that well in advance. We then put a call out, Mia, on our, through our social media and we say, this is what we're needing, two of this, da 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 Please let us know if you'd like to sponsor it. We then get those donations and we pay it directly into the uniform shop so mum can actually just go on in there and buy what she Mm. needs to buy and then that little person can just start school and just be normal with everybody else, you know, and not have to be worrying about lack of resources. You know, we we know that the children that are coming into refuge, they are exhibiting post-traumatic stress on par with a soldier coming back from active war. These are our little people. In that last decade. A lifetime. A lifetime. Futures are being destroyed, Mia. You know, the physiological long-term impacts of Of domestic domestic violence violence and family violence, we know it changes the way the brain works. Mm -hmm. It's about understanding that being on the receiving end of violence, this right here in front of you, that is what is happening. You've spoken to so many women over the years that you've been um, running Rise Up. What are some of the red flags that they talk about that happened in the early stages of their relationship that they perhaps didn't recognise at the time but looking back? Yeah, and you know, Mia, the big thing comes around control. There are like really significant control issues that start very early. And when we talk about why doesn't she just leave? Okay, you know how that's a common thing? Why doesn't Mm. she just leave? Why does she hang around there? What are we doing, Mia? We're victim blaming, aren't we? We keep taking our eyes off the perpetrator. The issue is it's like the analogy of the frog. Okay, so you've got a vat of boiling water and uh, you put uh, the frog in, that frog's going to damn jump right out of that hot hot water, okay? But if you put the frog in and gently bring it to a boil, that frog will be dead before it even knows. This is what happens in some of these relationships. And what we have to remember, Mia, is this might be the father of their children, He's loving and he plays with the kids and she loves him. She really loves him, right? 5% of the time he could kill her. So you're talking to a woman who's got children with this man and they've had some great times. And so we as a society are sitting there going, well, you need to leave and and you shouldn't, you know, all of that. It's so immensely um, difficult and challenging to separate those two things. Mm. Is emotional abuse often a precursor? for physical abuse it can be it can be and and don't forget that it can escalate to that but even you know uh, some women have told stories about uh, the fact that there was just a gun in the house was enough there was never physical violence but there was a gun in the house and that he might be cleaning the gun you know there were certain things which is intimidation and coercion so yes it's a big myriad of uh complexity And, uh, you know, I always think that, uh, you know, we can sit so easily back on our couches from the comfort of our home and ask those questions like, why doesn't she just leave and it's never going to change? And and I think we need to always think, well, and and, and also, you know, what's the government doing and and what was that magistrate thinking? And why are the police not doing this? So we can sit there with apathy and we can make all of those judgments. When you're pointing, three fingers are coming back at yourself. So what part in that thought process, what part to this bigger, complex issue are we all individually playing? As a bystander, if you suspect um, either as a friend or a neighbour or a relative that a woman you know might be in a domestic violence situation, if you see bruises, if you notice a change in behaviour, 
what should you do? First of all, step left of judgment. Human nature is we are, especially women, we're really nurturing, right? So you want to, we want to get in and help her and change that situation. A woman knows is the best person to know how to keep herself safe, right? So we're, we're sitting there, let's pack your bag and let's get you to a motel. What are we doing? We're actually mimicking the perpetrator's behavior by controlling her outcome and controlling the decision that she's making. So we don't think about that because we're coming from a really good space. So the best thing that you can do, and especially with an intimate friendship, is to actually say that because you've got to remember that the perpetrator wants to isolate them mm. from all their friends and family. You just need to sit back and be judgment free and I'm here for you no matter what the outcome or whatever your choices are, I'm here for you. There are amazing services out there that can help you when you're ready. And no matter what, I'm here for you, right? I hear a lot of friends who'll go, oh, you know, I'm telling her that she needs to leave and, and she keeps talking to me about it and I'm just fed up. I don't want to hear about it again and I'm not going to get involved, right? What's that? That's a great big fat win for the perpetrator, isn't it? So mm. keep that in mind. Like we're, It's human nature where we'll get like exhausted because we're trying to help her and we're trying – but the worst thing you can do is and turn And it can be hard to see someone stay in a situation that mm. you know is bad for them. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Especially if it's your Someone sister you and your best friend and it's a person that you love. But, you know, left foot, right foot. Left foot, right foot. Tell me one good news story, one transformation that you've seen through Rise Up. You know, there's a lady that um, we went to go and uh, uh, see her actually through a, a media piece. We had to go and see her and, and we walk into this house uh, and the crew was all there and they were interviewing the lady. And uh, I walked into this little house and there's these little girls running around. And it just, Mia, these elephant tears just I felt them coming down my face. The producer was there and I just said, you know, do you get this? She's been here for seven months and she'd made it her home here. There was the swing set that we'd put outside. The little girls were running around so happy. And what had she fled from? Very significant physical violence. She'd come through a refuge. Mm. Um, they're at the pointy end, Mia. They're at the pointy end of homicide for a lot of these ladies heading into refuge. They go into hiding, you know, and then they are exiting out at this really sharp end. And at any one time, there are at least 17 or 18 women, Mia, sitting in motels around the country in different states and cities waiting to go into refuge. Such is the demand to get these women to safety. This woman had moved into the house with yeah. her she, Seven months ago. And she was still there, Mia. That, like the enormity of that is huge because you, you're thinking about, um, you know, could she have gone back? Did, she, did he join her? You know, she had gone on to create this lovely little life and she was she'd connected with the church and um, she was settled and she was, um, you know, involved with the school. And there were some really positive, amazing things. And, and it's not alone. You know, we're getting so many. Uh, so she's stories. rebuilt a new life for yeah. herself away yeah. from. Because she knew that the, the, there was that community support, uh, you know, willing and wanting her to survive and to thrive. Mm. Because uh, the, the biggest thing is isolation for a lot of these women. Women and not being able to be seen. So they're going out and uh, with nothing. And a lot of the government housing that we're seeing, they are the cement slab on the floor. You know, when you're uh, building a house, that's the floor. There's no window furnishings, nothing. 
So can you imagine a little what you're going in there in an area that you're not from? Traumatised. Traumatised. With very little dignity left. With, you know, you don't even know where the local shopping centre is. You might not even have a car. You don't have any friends in the area. But and you've safe. got distressed children, possibly. You've got majorly distressed children. Mm. We've gone into properties where a lady's been on more more than one occasion and there's been like a duvet cover on the floor where she's been there for five days with nothing. Tell me, Mia, she's not going back. Mm. Yeah? And a little lamp and her kids next. You know, so we... It, it's not acceptable what's happening for these women. And I think if more people knew, you know, we're constantly seeing what's happening overseas. I come from Africa, you know, my husband and I, so we know firsthand what's happening in a, in a country filled with crime. There's poverty and, you know, all sorts of things. And I think that's why we're so passionate here because mm. we are the most amazing country. And if, if more of our country and our society knew what was happening, we would be more invested in the future of our children that are going on to become our leaders. It's absolutely ravaging our society, the levels of domestic violence. You know, we have to take a stand. It's bigger than all of us now. We have to come together and um, and really bring our voices together. And what can we do? We, we're doing something which is so basic, this practical assistance, but it such, has such huge impact. What's the best way that people can support Rise Up? Uh, like the Facebook page for the for a kickoff, we absolutely need to be everywhere, Mia. The demand for our service mm. is nationwide. Where are you currently? So we go right up to Townsville. We're um, right to the northern top of uh, New South Wales. Mia, I think it's really important to say that if if we wanted to expand and be everywhere, we could do that tomorrow. We have to remember that there are really mel- well-meaning people in our society, okay? But if we don't navigate those unintended consequences of our actions, we could inadvertently put these very vulnerable people in great danger, right? And it's not just from the perpetrators, but it's from the predators that are in our society. So if you are listening and you're motivated, join up with a reputable organisation that has the partnership of the peak services for us, we are, for Queensland, we are the only service that is partnered with the peak services. And you don't just get that like that. You get that because they looking at your documents. They are seeing what we're doing. Um, they have trust in how we're handling their very precious, precious cargo when it comes to us. We're not having people donate directly to the homes. Mm. We, it's very tight behind the scenes, Mia. You know, we run on the, on the, the top cover of uh, Rise Up, it's beautiful and fluffy and you're seeing the home transformations. It's like the block, you know, on steroids. But behind the scenes, there's a big process of keeping these families safe and um, it would it would be dreadful if we haven't mapped that out and something was to happen to one of my volunteers, for example, or one of the women that we've not done something how we should. So please uh, volunteer at riseup.com.au. 
Once we bring them through the onboarding process, we can be everywhere, Mia. We need to be. There mm. are families going out with nothing. I'm getting calls from Canberra and and I need people for us to be able to, to help these families. So let's get them in, um, follow the page so you're not missing out. You know, we have regional family programs with, um, you know, families in regional areas that are experiencing horrific domestic violence, but in such small communities that, that can be really tough as mm. well. So there are things that we're doing by um, through sponsorship and creating packs and things like that by purchasing it for them. Yeah, lots and lots of exciting things that are happening. So we're uh, Well, Nicole, you and and everyone at Rise Up, to all the volunteers, we want to say thank you. Thank you for what you're doing for women and children, the most vulnerable people in our community. And we're right behind you and we'll support you in every way that we can. Thanks for listening to this episode of No Filter. If you would like to help Nicole and Rise Up to help these families, you can. It is so simple. By liking and following Rise Up on Facebook, you can become part of this amazing concept. What happens is that they post what they need for families on Facebook and the community responds, getting items straight to the families that need them. A few weeks ago, for example, Nicole posted on Facebook that there was a little girl uh, in a family that Rise Up was helping who wanted to go on a school camp, but her mum, who had just fled from a domestic violence situation uh, and was trying to rebuild her life, just couldn't afford the few hundred dollars that it cost. So people just said, put their hands up, said, I'm in for 20 bucks, I'm in for 100 bucks, uh, and really quickly they were able to send that little girl to camp. Sometimes it might just be, oh, we need a kettle or we need some sheets. Um, And you can just pop down to Kmart or wherever it is and grab something and donate it and make a huge difference. If you'd like to go one step further and join their team, you can email volunteer at riseup, R-I-Z-E-U-P dot com dot A-U. And if my conversation with Nicole has made you think and I really hope it has, please share it with someone. And if you know someone who's in a situation like this, please call 1-800-RESPECT. No Filter is produced by Liza Ratliff. I'm Mia Friedman. Remember, every day is White Ribbon Day. See you on Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au.